Welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. We are live from Atlassian Euro Summit 2017. It is worth noting we're not actually live. It's true. We're It's Adaptivist Live, the semi-live podcast. I mean, we are technically alive. We are alive, and we're going to be alive when you hear this podcast. Hopefully. But we're not broadcasting live. This will be in an hour or two. You'll see. Uh, maybe, maybe sooner. Um, today... We are, again, live from the summit floor. The theme of today is what you, what you, what you want to see from Atlassian. And we're going to gain, and we're joined by very special guests, Nick Bruff. Say hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. And Phil Fox. Some of our favorite adaptivist colleagues, and we're really enjoying hanging out with them and spending time with them this week and seeing what's going on from within the Alaskan ecosystem. But we're going to kick things off as we often do. It's time for the Thunderbolt round. Right, so um, we, we, had, we figured out that uh, the way the microphones are configured for today's recording, we have two cat people and two dog people. And we know which are the best. And we, we're not going to get into a versus kind of situation, but we are going to talk about our pets for a second. So uh, I go, it is, it's a really important topic because we're away from home. I want to share with you. And so I go first, as we always do, and we're just going to go around the table. And um, so I'm a cat person, and I just want to give a special Atlassian Euro Summit 27, 2017 shout-out to my cat Matilda, who's a fat black cat. Is very sweet, and she. I actually call her her nickname. He, she has a long name. It's Princess Matilda Behemoth Trismegistus Godzilla the Hut Spilkin. So she's a she's a majestic beast, and I love and miss Matilda. No, I just say she doesn't answer. She doesn't answer to anything. She's a cat. She doesn't give a shit. It's, it's the biggest waste of time. Yeah, but she's so sweet and so fat and so cute. I love Matilda. So that, that one's for Matilda. And uh, Nick, what about you? Tell us about your pet. Uh, I inherited two uh, rescue cats when, about 17 years ago. Uh, two years ago, one of them died. She was very, very fat and the happiest lap fungus in the world. And totally too stupid to use a cat flap, but she was absolutely lovely. And her little sister, this tiny, evil, satanic, black That's my kind ball, of of, ball of hatred <laughs> who just despises the entire world except for mouse brains, me, and she kind of likes us, liked her sister until she died as well. Aww. The reason I mention the cat, and it's a good subject, is that a lot of the Alaskan ecosystem recognize a picture of a cat on a railway line. And that comes out because... I have a black cat, and I commute to London for 22 years, and every time I say, no, I can't come for a beer, I've got, got to get the train home to feed the cat. Oh. So that's where it comes from. That's a strong connection, and it's an awesome cat. Phil, tell us. Tell us about your pet. Okay. Well, mine's a important colleague who is absolutely brilliant. She's 15 months old, and as part of my contributions to pleasure and the adaptivist is we're training her up to be a search and rescue dog. See, we actually, we do call her the adapter dog, if I'm not mistaken. She, she has her own adaptivist to get into the office in London. She's the best dog. They give her a key. She's more, of a, 
more reliable than some of the sales team. But <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, is that why she looks after Sam every time she comes to the office? <laughs> <laughs> sounds about right. Yep, Sam does the joke for his How many likes can he get on Facebook by having a photo of you, Oh, that's what happens, yeah. Absolutely. We can't bring a cat to the office. It does not work. You wouldn't want mine anyway. You would not want that at all. Matthew. Uh, so I've got a uh, chocolate Labrador retriever. Who's, uh, just one of her names. Her name is fantastic. Her name is Willow. And uh, when I was getting a dog, I wanted one for a long time. But uh, I was going to night school. I was doing college at night while working full time. Couldn't be away that many hours when I finally graduated. Got a dog, did a bunch of research, and settled on a Labrador retriever because it fit our lifestyle best. I needed a dog that was smart enough to hang around and do a bit of training, but, but dumb enough that she wouldn't get bored. Wait a minute, Matthew, <laughs> the dog is doing training? Yeah, the dog, you know, that's what we're all about is training here to Daphnis. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Labrador retriever just at that right spot between smart and dumb where she doesn't get bored so she doesn't get distracted, but she's smart enough that. Yeah, we, and we get along great. We get along great. We get most days together. It is worth noting that Matthew also has two cats, but they are just... Well, there's two cats that live with us. Uh, and I see them on occasion. They're, they're, they tolerate the dog. The dog loves them because it's a Labrador Retriever. loves everybody. Because dogs are, in fact, better in that fashion. They, it's true. Uh, it's, it's unfair to get into this cat versus dog thing. I, mean, I love dogs as well. But when you're spending 16 hours on a train... And in the office every day. To go feed the cats. Yeah, coming back with some fours. You can't get up, walk out, leave the dog for 16 hours. No. The cat turns around and goes, oh, you again. Go and own a tin. I like the, I like the old expression that uh, dogs have masters and cats have staff. I think it's pretty accurate. Yep. So uh, enough, um, enough of the, the sweet, wistful reminiscing about our pets at home. And let's talk about what we want to see from Atlassian, guys. We're seeing some good stuff here at Summit. A lot of great add-ons coming. A lot of um, a lot of cool stuff happening in the partner ecosystem. But if we were to look uh, forward, what would you want to see, Nick? What would you want to see from Atlassian? Well, my usual line when asked questions like that is uh, Atlassian branded jeans because everything else I've got. <laughs> There's so many T-shirts. Yeah, exactly. It's the only we thing I'm wearing. Board shorts. Uh, that, that would work, yeah. That's a really good idea. But, uh, although I only wear jeans, so. Fair enough. But no, that's, that's, that's a kind of a flippant answer because they are, they, it's the marketing. They want the logo on everything. I understand it shows best in a t shirt. And there's no point in putting on boxer shorts. Not socks, but not boxers. But you know, but, uh, Yeah. I nicked them from a user group. <laughs> But I think uh, I think there's the, the, a lot of the problems I'm having with the last stuff at the moment is kind of not quite joined up stuff, uh, and the clients are seeing people who move through the ecosystem, uh, their own ecosystem, not the Elastic one. Uh, when I started with Elastic stuff, people had Jira, it was running on a box under a desk, they fixed it, they put it in a server, people used it for whatever, and they adapted it, and it all works, and then they got comms worked. But there's a kind of, a, now, there's, there's a kind of a, a slight drift. They've got so many products, and people are using some of them, and now you find people are moving from site to site. 
So you've got somebody who has worked as corporate bank who has a server version of Jira, and they're quite happy working away with that. And then they move to a small developer who's using cloud. And the differences between the way the two systems are working, it's not very helpful for people trying to move, because suddenly you've got two different Juras, two different conferences that are doing two, two different things. They're the same software. So you get developers who say, I've worked on this before. Oh, hang on, it's totally different. And I'm starting to see sort of, it's not a fragmentation, but I think it's this summit they announced that there was a very clear, we're going to develop in three different branches. And do it even more. Yeah, and no, that's, that's fine for the back-end stuff. I don't care what you need to develop different code for um, a cloud version versus a, a server version versus a, a, a data center version. That's the back-end. But at the front-end, why is it different? It's, it says Jira on it. Why haven't I got Sir Nick Phil's comment? Why haven't I got four boards in Cordura? So I'm struggling with that. A bit. And I think the other thing that you get with the different budget lines and the different development cycles and the different timings and the different work, it makes it very difficult for people to say that they've truly mastered a product because you already have the, the immense customization opportunities within the Atlassian suite that just taking it and also saying, well, this version of it's cloud or server or data center is different, adds to that frustration that people have when they change jobs and when they have different experiences with different installations, such that they don't know what functions and what features are going to be available to them in this particular solution. And it's all well and good having a different development timeline and saying there will be things that cross points between different versions, but we can't tell you when, and we're not going to tell you which ones are going to start where. And you end up in that worst of all worlds, which is people hear about a function on the feature that is absolutely essential to them, but they then have to try and work out, is this in cloud? Is this in server? Is this in data? And when's it going to come across? And then, which one have I got, and when am I going to get that function that I really need? Just give me Jira. As opposed to the, tell me, I've got Jira, there's what it says on the tin, I know what I can do with that from where it is. Yes, absolutely. Cloud and its infrastructure presents huge challenges to the plugin guys, but those can be surmounted. But when you have something which is core functionality that is missing from a particular function version, and there is no timeline for when it's going to be available, that is a challenge to many clients. It's not just the clients either. Uh, many of you will have heard of the, the certification work that's been done, so, uh, which include exams. I, writing I that. Yeah, well, I thought you might have. There, there's been a little talk. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but when you're writing questions for Jira, obviously you have a, a version of Jira in mind. There is some overhead, obviously. Somebody's going to release a new version. You need to go back over the questions and change some of them to accommodate those changes. Maybe you accept that. But there's another challenge in that you have to think, hang on, I can't do this in cloud. Oh, I can't write a question on that subject because it's, it, it's something that is specific to one of the three branches. And that, that makes them very difficult. Or you get the situation where you're writing a question and you know that at the moment this is only available in the product cloud, and you know that at some point in the future it may appear in server, and at some other point it may appear in this. But how do you phrase the question to, to people to be actually able to answer? So, guys, and in a way that is time sensitive. But so 
Yeah, okay, we're, we're whinging about <laughs> being on the back end of writing this. What does that mean to the customer? Well, it's, yeah, it was like Phil was saying. Honestly, we did not plan this in advance. It's also notable we all live in very different places, and yet it sounds like all three of us want to see the same thing out of a lasting, which is greater consistency across the product line. And I've had this this uh, frustration for a decade now of the vast differences just between Jira and Confluence in terms of administration. Why are they? Why do they handle user directory integrations so differently? Why is there such vast differences in, in how they connect to email, what they do with some of these things in the admin? But lately, it's been the, here's a feature in cloud, I want it in server. I don't have a cloud account. I have a server account. I want my business board. I want to have a business project with a Kanban board. I want that visual interface. It was announced a year, year and a half ago. This is, this is what I'm looking for as a consistency. And it's interesting to me that we're hearing this from customers. We're feeling this pain ourselves. I'll be curious to see, Ryan, what are, what are other people here uh, at Summit? What are they saying? But it sounds like the three of us, independently, we all have sort of the same same challenges that we're running into of the lack of consistency I think, between I think one of the things that we have seen here, which goes a little bit to address that, is the release of the Atlassian Design Guidelines version 3, yeah. and bringing a consistent look at being, even if behind the scenes there are still significant differences in how the projects work, for the end users, that alignment, that alignment between the products and going forward is going to make a big difference to customer takeover. Yeah, end users will be the most affected by these I was about to point out, I said earlier stuff about, okay, I've got three different systems. I really don't care about the back end. I'm thinking purely about the customer. Yeah. So, yeah. I think one of the challenges that Atlassian has is their inheritance and their own internal development. So the things that they've acquired, the things that they've manufactured. Oh yes, don't touch founder code. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So there are things which are absolutely intrinsically locked down in their system because it was written by founders. And there is a level of reluctance, shall we say, to go near that code. But even when the, the story I heard was of a developer, a newish developer who's quote coding away, oh, I've got some founder code here, I'm not sure it's right, I don't know, I shouldn't change it. And he's, the chap behind him said, yeah, you sh- really should change that. And then he found out later that it was Mike Cannon Brooks standing behind him. Said, you really should change that, it's really bad code. Now, well, when I wrote it. You know, that, I, think, I think, though, Mike telling somebody to change code that he wrote is a healthy thing. Absolutely. Whereas maybe somebody who's not Mike, looking at Mike's code, is going to say, oh, wait. Yeah, that's encouraging. I think that speaks to a very positive culture. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think the adaptivist of the Atlassian culture, as we see repeated over and over again, is one of embracing change and encouraging people to come in and look at what the flaws are and be open and not bullshit the customer. Deliver what the customer wants. Understand that customers have different requirements. Understand that not all customers have the same requirements. But how do you accommodate that? You know what? The Atlassian tool set is big, it's mammoth, it covers a hell of a lot of the development lifecycle, but it's not just about development anymore. It goes so far beyond. We work with so many clients who are not software developers, and they use the Atlassian tool set in ways that they've never even envisaged. And I think that's where I see the great growth within the Atlassian product, is looking outside that 
very into like developing the community and looking at how you can use the Jira tracking. Everybody tracks anything. You go shopping in your local supermarket, you have a list of things you're going to buy. That's tracking in a very simple way. Through to, we're going to send the man on the moon. We have to track everything that needs to be done to put the man on the moon. You've got that whole range. Jira can help with that whole way. You've got documents. Atlassian Conference helps with that. There are lots and lots of things that people just communicating as a team. You've got hit chat and the ability for that team to work together. Link them together, and all of a sudden we start to have an ecosystem that is greater than the sum of the individual parts. And it's really important that we pull back as well and we reflect as Atlassian evolves, both us as part of the community are contributing to that benefit as a whole. Which I think is a great segue to tomorrow's podcast, where we'll talk about what is Atlassian doing for the ecosystem and investing in partners and their customers. But today, we're here for some other part. Yeah, we're actually going to head to the floor at this point and hear from some of the customers that are out and about at Euro Summit 2017. So uh, we're going to head out to the floor. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Matthew. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow from Atlassian Euro Summit 2017.